Welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. And I'm Karen. We are a mother-daughter duo of mediums, medical intuitives, psychics, and energy healers offering personal sessions to clients all over the world. And this is our podcast. Coffee with the Sarlows is a platform to share the remarkable experiences of our clients and the messages that are channeled for them from the spirit world. These stories will make you laugh, some will make you cry, and some are certain to be an absolute butt-kicking with love. Our intent for this podcast is to gently and kindly challenge your beliefs, grow your empathy, and help you find pieces of your own self in each one of these individual stories. Before we jump into today's show, we have a few notes for our listeners. Karen and I have personal practices channeling for local and international clients. If the stories in these shows is something you'd like to experience, you can request your own personal session through our website, bysarlo.com. We also have gift certificates available if you wish to gift this experience to someone anywhere in the world. We have a second podcast series called Sips of Sanity. This series is your emotional and intuitive intelligence toolkit. We pick one topic every month and provide you with healthy tools for critical thinking and communication. This series airs the first week of every month. The first show is free and can be found on our website, your favorite podcast platform, or YouTube. The full series can be found on patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. Patreon is our membership portal with a ton of monthly benefits for those of you seeking to grow your emotional and intuitive intelligence. Karen has a personal blog that explores the beauty and importance of intuitive gifts. There's a question and answer segment that addresses listeners' questions. As we mentioned, you can find the complete Sips of Sanity series here, along with handy habit trackers and great reflective questions to help you get the most from the shows. We provide you with guided journeys and music to enrich that experience, and we're running an emotionally intelligent, interactive book club. And for patrons in our top tier, each month we're putting your names into a draw for a free half-hour channeling session with Karen or myself. If you're interested in joining us, head over to patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. Now, on to the show. Good morning, Kelly. How are you? I'm doing well. I've got my tea and I'm ready for a story, Karen. Good. I'm ready to give you one this morning. Okay. Okay. So I have a male client and I need a name, please. So for the male, I've chosen Hennif. Thank you. So Hennif and I can see each other. We're over Zoom on this particular day. He has about a one hour booking and, oh, pardon me, Kelly. He had a half hour booking. And at the very beginning of the session, after we went through consent, he said, you know, Karen, he says, I just want you to connect with my wife today. He says, just tell me anything. And the very first thing I hear from his wife is, I'm dead. He's not telling you medium. He's just saying connect with his wife, but I'm on the other side. And then she tells me that she's been passed over for about a year. It's close to a year, just under. And I asked him that. I said, that's all the information that she was giving me so far and that she was being factual. And was that correct that his wife had passed over and the period of time? And he said, yes. And then he said, why would you ask me that? You're a medium. Oh. Yeah. And I said, oh, I said, because in consent, um, you know, and maybe I didn't explain it well enough for you in consent, but I said, I do get soul contracts. And he goes, yes, you did. He says, you did say that. He says, but I didn't ask any questions around it. So obviously I didn't understand it. He says, so you mean the soul contracts between people who are alive. 
So a husband could call and ask you about his wife who is alive, about the contract, about their relationship that they're in. And I said, that's correct. He goes, well, that's good to know. He goes, I, I didn't know to ask that. Okay. Oh, so he just thought it was assumed that he yeah. was calling because she was dead. Exactly. Okay. I didn't see why you came, you brought in sole contracts, but this is what you're trying to illustrate. Got it. Yeah. So he's making an assumption that you and I are medium psychics. So only for dead people. Only for dead people. And when I said sole contracts, patterns, a future, he wasn't going, oh, right. And that would apply if I was calling about my wife who is alive and I want information about my current relationship. Look, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> That's an exclusive market I would prefer. <laughs> because the dead people are often a whole lot nicer than the alive people. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's true. But we can't afford to be exclusive. So <laughs> that's right. And everybody needs help. And I'm totally teasing because we have just oh, yeah. a wonderful base of clients who are so kind and respectful and ask the most intelligent questions. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So then um, she starts and he's, pardon me, Kelly, he says to me, just go open about whatever she wants to say. And she begins by saying to me, um, he was and is a very stubborn man. And he is going to demonstrate to you that when you say that about him, that he will act like he's proud of it. And she says, and this was a massive problem in our marriage, is that he, he took his stubbornness to that level of, I'm proud of it, and therefore gave no wiggle room to looking at it from any other way. And she said, this was massively important in our marriage that it he refers to himself as a brick wall. Ooh, that's a that's a big wound to create and then proudly say, I did that. Yeah. Yeah. And he would proudly say that to just about anybody. So I said to her, do you mean that he's a brick wall just with you? Oh, no. Brick wall at work, brick wall at home, brick wall with the kids, brick wall with his friends. Everything was, in, in, everything was about being the brick wall. He was proud of the stubbornness. He would even say and preface statements by saying, well, you know, I'm stubborn. So like what egg had to like slightly crack or what crack had to exist for him to call a psychic medium? Or are you like the next challenge? I'm the next challenge. Jesus. And and she... Joe Heard. Yeah. Charge him double. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to st- anyway, yes, that's true. It's a joke <laughs> for those who are, might just be joining for the first imagine, time. Like a side note here. Imagine if people in our community, you know, Joe goes to a party and says, hello, Joe Heard. And they go, oh, oh you're the charge him double girl. <laughs> <laughs> Can I borrow you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So back to the story. So she's talking about how his stubbornness creates anxiety in her. And that then as the anxiety is created, he enjoys her level of discomfort. Oh. When he sees the anxiety in his children, they have two children. It comes out in the session as, as um, affirmations. When she's trying to say, here, I'll give you facts. We have two kids. It's a boy and it's a girl. They're both adults. They're not children. They're adults. There's no grandchildren. So she Thank gives God. like, she'll give the facts afterwards, you know, or, or pardon me, during the session to throw in inter- 
you know, in, interspersedly. Is that a word? Interspersedly. <laughs> I've challenged you before and I've been very wrong. <laughs> it sounds terrible. It does. I think it's just interspersed. Okay. But hey. Yeah, let's go. Interspersed in the session. Yes. Let's do that one. Throughout. Throughout the session. Um, that like he enjoys when people are uncomfortable. He sees it as his opportunity to hunker down into his stubbornness and force it to make a joke about it, to put it out in front. So he will preface statements, as I said before, he will preface what he's going to do by saying, well, we all know I'm stubborn, so, and then go into the meeting and use that as his, well, we all know I'm going to bully everybody, so let's just get down to it and you guys get it done. And if anybody comes back and challenges him and says, well, you know, you don't need to be stubborn. You don't need to bully us. We'd like to do it. He'll just get right in, even if it's something that they wanted to do, and he'll pick it as a fight so he can manipulate it so that it looks that way. Mm -hmm. And so she's describing this. And then she says, this is his behavior. So she does that. She's talking about his behavior. This is childhood trauma. Oh, yes. Expressed in adulthood. You got it. This is shame-based stuff. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out. So as he's doing this, and as they are raising their children in that environment, she starts talking about, okay, on earth, I had tons of anxiety. And I didn't at the beginning of the marriage. So I could say to you at the beginning of the marriage that, I felt happier. And she says, you know, since I've died, dead me. And what's her name, Kelly? I've chosen the name Fayola. Thank you. Fayola says, you know, at the beginning of the marriage, I didn't feel like this. I didn't see this big stubborn guy in front of me. I didn't see a brick wall. She says, I didn't think that I was walking into a brick wall marriage. She goes, it wasn't like that at all. She says, but I found out on the other side what it was. She says, I've learned since I've died that psychologists and psychiatrists on earth would call it gaslighting and love bombing me. She says, I understand that he was doing this for years before he met me with other women and that he loves bo love bombs women. Other women caught on to it earlier and said, you're an idiot. See you later. And she says, so he learned from the other women's rejections that he had to love bomb longer. Mm -hmm. So you love bomb past the wedding ring, the, the wedding ring ceremony. And she says, so I realized once I died that I was entrapped. And she says, and then I realized that I stayed in this marriage for decades, Karen, in, in, in the entrapment. Mm -hmm. Now, she says, if you had asked me that on earth, she says, I would never would have said that. I would have said he changed. I would have said that he got stubborn. I would have said that things at work made him stubborn because other people were bullying him. So the way that he approached, the way he would tell me the story about work would justify his stubbornness to me. And I would think, oh, I'm going to support my husband. No. <laughs> However someone treats you does not give you permission to go out and abuse someone else and say it's just. You're not balancing any scales at this point. 
I agree. I'm just, I'm, I'm good. I, or I'm good. And I'm thrilled that you're pointing these things out for the listener. I'm going to keep going back to the story. Mm -hmm. So thank you for doing your job and participating here. So I think we have to break this down a little bit for the listeners so that they understand the story and that I do a good job of this because she is now dead trying to describe what she was like with him on earth. So he can go, yes, that's how my wife responded and behaved. And then she also is trying to describe what we will call dead wife, meaning, or dead Fayola, meaning that since she's crossed over, she has gained all of this knowledge and understanding and has gone through the healing that goes with the education, mm -hmm. the understanding, the learning, and that she is able to move through all of these processes that we would normally do on earth if we engaged for a long time in therapy with a very healthy, qualified therapist who could give us processes, homework, and hold us accountable. Mm -hmm. And that would mean that we'd have to keep going back to say, how did I do? when they gave us homework and we went back to that brick wall partner and tried a technique that they gave us and then went back to the therapist and said, this is what I said. This is what he said. And the therapist says, okay, you did well. You did a good job. Your husband is remaining the brick wall. This is the next step. But she doesn't want to do that. She, so she comes through and she says, on earth, Karen, she says, as a live Fayola, um, I avoided therapy. She says, instead, I read a ton of books to try to understand him, but to be able to keep approaching him with nobody holding me accountable to whether he was actually willing to do any work or not. So I stayed listening, you know, to audible books, reading books, and then turning around and thinking, okay, this is how I will approach him today. I'm going to read, a, you know, maybe a book on childhood trauma, and maybe I figure out he's got something. And so this is how I'm going to learn to talk to him now. So I'll approach him this way. And so she does, and the brick wall just goes up straight again. So she goes back to the book and goes, hmm, that didn't explain to me, or geez, that author's no good. That didn't work. So she tries a different kind of book. She tries a different kind of therapy in a book. Okay, so let's let's break this down then. Because for people who are listening going, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I read those books. Yeah, I talked to my partner different or my kid different or who my adult parent different. She's trying to be his therapist yeah. when he didn't ask for therapy, for starters. Two... You should never be your person's therapist. That should never be an option on the table, whether they ask for it or not. Yeah, I'll leave it at those two strong points. Oh, I love that. I was going to go into a list, but I think those are the most poignant things that you can illustrate um, because, you know, some people are going to be like, well, maybe, maybe she just didn't understand how to say it, or maybe she just, you know, didn't get the right script. Maybe... I and she can work harder. Oh, and that was the key. It's the harder part. And we just have to keep going back to point one and two. So she does. She talks about how she just reread the same book and that she would read a book several times trying, thinking that she just didn't do it right. 
Because surely this therapist with 30 years experience and is a writer of books or has written it for the psychiatric community and is the top of their field, certainly they know what they're talking about and their procedures and tools are right. I must be doing it wrong. Not once does Fayola think my husband is rejecting every offer of emotional intelligence, every offer of what a good therapist might suggest as something to do, because as you said, it's coming from her. It's not coming from the therapist. Right. And to a certain degree, of which I'm not qualified to say, Fayola has to be shame-based as well. When oh, we yes. talked about her husband, she has to be shame-based in order to internalize all of this as it must be my fault that you it's not it. working. Yes. So thank you. You hit my next point on the page. And and maybe I need to say it. That's not healthy. Being shame-based is not a healthy thing to be. Now, it's a natural thing to be, so I don't want people to be consequently shaming themselves for this. If you're experiencing something similar to her story, I'm saying it's a natural response that if you have grown up and already been conditioned to feel shame and internalize it, it's going to be the thing that makes the most sense to you to assume when you're met with behavior like Fayola's husband. And any other unhealthy behavior, Yes, your go-to will be to shame yourself, to think it's your problem, you need to come up with a solution, yeah. you're the fixer. Yeah, and that that is where you need your own therapy. Mm-hmm. So she says to me, um, she doesn't go into talking very much, Kelly, about how this plays out with her two children. She just uses the fact that there are two children as a fact. And then... And that he validates. That's it. Mm -hmm. And then she goes on about, this is what his behavior was. This was mine. And this is how it. Uh, we stayed together because we were both coming from that same place. We both had these behaviors around it. Neither of us actually walked into the office of a therapist to pull a third person in to say, whoa. And I think what you've done is beautiful for our listeners, because that's what a healthy therapist does, is they are there to say to you, this is the part of the marriage that's your shit. Mm -hmm. This, or your stuff, pardon me, <laughs> that's your issue from your childhood. Let's work on you. Mm -hmm. And shame is such a hard thing to talk about, right? Because the second that we feel it, and or identify it, we often want to run from it. And it's not something that if we're, you know, if we're sitting in it, we can't grow, right? If we're sitting in the shame and accepting, we're believing everything that we're thinking, we can't grow. If we are being fed shame, we can't grow. And so it needs to be where we haul our own ass or someone that we love hauls our ass into a third party qualified, um, their office to say, okay, a, let's learn where it came from. Let's learn how and why you absorbed it. And then let's untangle or uproot this belief system so that we can sort out what's actually going on. Mm -hmm. That's the intent anytime we talk about shame. Thank you. So then she says to me, Kelly, he was in his avoidance and I was in my avoidance. And I didn't believe that because I was reading the books. Yeah, she was a big doer. Yeah. 
So she says, I didn't understand I was actually in avoidance of the therapist. I thought because I was reading books written by therapists that I wasn't in my avoidance. And so I would go into those books and think, no, no, I'm working, I'm doing, I'm not sabotaging. And she says, and I would say that all the time in my head, that I, that I would ask myself, am I just sabotaging myself here? And then she would go, no, no, I'm not because I'm reading the books. I'm not sabotaging, he is. And I have to fix his sabotaging of us. That was her mindset. And she goes, she just looks at me and she starts laughing. And she goes, Karen, she goes, now that I'm on the other side and I'm dead Faola, like I can totally laugh at my thinking. Mm -hmm. She goes, I can look at this because she says, I've got all these beautiful souls on the other side that are offering me love. Ah, disclaimer, a really beautiful one. Humans can feel this too before they cross. Right. And and yeah. I was I was actually gonna say like, oh, she probably laughed in only the way that a dead person can when they when they truly see themselves. Yeah. And maybe that's true, but I think people really need to know that that's an accessible experience and emotion and expression as a human when you are surrounding yourself with the right people who love you. And they can be people you hire or they can be the people that are naturally in your life or both. Right. Mm -hmm. And we can see ourselves with that gentle humility where we can giggle and go, oh my God, I've learned so much. You've given me that. Thank you. That's a huge compliment. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I can totally identify with Fayola of sitting there and trying to get into the books to think I could fix something and totally thinking I'm not sabotaging because I'm listening to a podcast or I'm researching on the internet or I'm reading the book or I'm talking to the girlfriend about it. But I, what, I, what we're really trying to point out here in a massive way is actually connecting to the therapist mm -hmm. with the tools, with the level of accountability. Because otherwise, you have to really step out of your saboteur to hold yourself accountable. And that's breaking one of your patterns to do that. Mm. And some people can break their own patterns and some people can't. And if you... If you are one of the people that truly can't, then staying in the avoidance gives permission to the other person silently because you're staying and you're, you're remaining in your own pattern and they see that. Can I ask you a question? Yes. When you refer to the people who, who truly can't break their own patterns, are you meaning the people who simply don't have the right tools? Yes. Okay. I would like to also include... The people who truly can't because of their neural connection. Oh, I agree. You yeah. can. I think there's a few reasons why you truly can't. Yeah, I and I because we want to be inclusive. I want to bring that up, but I also want to sh to kind of illustrate that those are two distinct categories too, yes. right? Yes. N neither of which should ever feel shame for limitations, right? That's mm -hmm. what we're all about is growth. Um, so for those who quote unquote, truly can't, and I'm going to add yet, <laughs> it's just about going to get the right tools, whether it is from a third party, from a book, both, or medication. Yes. And, and this is something that she comes to discover when she's crossed over, is that there's been so much damage done for both of them in this lifetime, right from their childhood, that she learns that she would have needed medication to change her patterns. Oh, neat. And so I'm going to say something. 
there isn't really a sense then of deep forgiveness for herself upon when she's dying because she's when she dies she's sick so she's got this period of time to know she's dying and when she's starting to try to look at her patterns and why didn't I do this and what are my regrets in in the way that she looks at the end of her life she says I still couldn't kind of get my way out of this she says I died and I was still in the fog Karen and she says so I'm here today because I I know for certain that Hanif is still in his fog mm. And that there may be a chance. I don't want to diagnose. I'm not a professional. She says, but I do want to put out there for him that there is a good chance that he needs to see a psychiatrist or whatever the right profession is. It could mm-hmm. be, you know, a neuroclinical psychologist. I don't know. Wherever you're going to get your medication and you're going to get your therapy because she says he needs both. So I want to come through today to tell him that there's a good chance he needs both and that he's never going to get that in a book. Mm -hmm. He's not going to get that if he gets off this phone call today and decides, okay, I'll read. Okay, I'll download a book and I'll listen to it. Okay, I'll put my stubbornness aside just a little tiny bit to do one little thing. She's saying, no, he's going to have to put his stubbornness aside for a lot of things. Mm And it's going to be a lot of his stubbornness that he has to put aside because this is going to require a lot of him to step through those doors and say, I think I need help. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have to trust you enough to assess me. Yeah. And actually, you're bringing up another really great point is the importance of having someone else to assess you. And I know mean, we're all human, so we all we all make mistakes and nothing is exact, but I... I bring up or want to elaborate on the assessment part because if we are someone who needs to be in control mm. and we try something new, we put our stubbornness, like you said, aside for just a minute here to try and learn something new and we're not instantly excellent at it, we are going catapulting right back into our shame where we don't want to do that thing, right? Because we're going to assess ourselves as failures and we can't cope with that if we're buried in shame. Mm-hmm. For people who have the ability to observe feelings of shame, to be curious, to ask questions, to work through it and discover that other emotions are actually going on, that they they don't have to believe everything that they think, they have a better advantage to assess themselves, you know, slightly better to say, okay, I didn't do great at that, but that doesn't mean I'm a failure. And then that third party who's qualified to assess can say, in fact, you didn't even fail at this step. We just need to take a couple more steps and you're going to see progress. Yeah. Right? So there's a whole process of which I think people need to accept they know nothing about. And that's why we put that third party in place. You did a great job. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Fayola then started talking about their children. And she said, I have something just very brief to say but it's important. She said, both of the children recognize our patterns. They don't like us. Mm, That's big. Yeah. And she says, it's important to say that because they've both done their work to go to therapy individually. And she says, they have made a decision individually, but they've shared it with each other that they have the intention of cutting him out of their life. Oh my goodness. Okay, so we got two big wins so far. Yeah. And I'm not saying that to be mean to Hanif. 
I'm saying that when you find out that you have two people who grew up parented by this amount of shame and, and abuse, to hear that they accessed the therapy to do their growth, that's what I'm referring to as the wins. You got it. Thank you. That's good. I love how you explain that to people. My head automatically goes to that. But then all of a sudden I had this quick thought of, oh God, the listener might be listening to this thinking yeah, that you were going to get mean. Yeah, yeah. And that's not what I mean. You know, if, if anyone has not already listened to Carmen Theobald's, um, the roles of the five mass, pardon me, the five roles of the master herder, I highly recommend that you do. It's on Sips of Sanity on our Patreon platform over at patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. It's March of 2020. I hope everyone's scribbling this down. Those five rules are fucking incredible. Yeah. To knowing how to navigate situations, conversations, life in general. And the reason I'm calling these two wins and I'm saying this is not mean is that one of those roles is predator, meaning you can cut things out, kill for the good of the herd. And so if these two children, adult children, have the ability to go to therapy, access the tools, and healthily assess if predator is now the right move, not just because they're pissed, not just because they're hurt, but because they've actually gone through the other four beautiful roles in a healthy way, then this might be a third beautiful win. That's right. And I'm not even talking about Fayola as one of the wins. Yeah. Which clearly is huge, even if it is upon death. Yeah. So she's talking about the fact that she sees that her two, their two adult children are getting healthy. And she says, please tell him um, how happy I am that they are getting healthy, that the choice is healthiness. The choice, it looks like it's against him, but it's not against you. It is for health. Mm-hmm. So the focus is, is, is exactly what you're saying, Kelly. They're making a focus for health. Mm-hmm. And as a result, he falls on the opposite side of it by his own free will. I love that. <laughs> and so therefore, you've made your choice and we will respect that choice. Mm-hmm. If you want to get healthy, go to therapy, we would invite you to come back and be part of the family. Mm-hmm. But we choose healthy. So the brother's sister have made their choice here and they're sticking to it. And she gives them this, I'm going to say this head up, but the, she's beautiful in the way that she says it to him. And she explains it that way. They're choosing to be healthy. They're not choosing to hate you. Mm-hmm. It's heads up, by the way. Just what did I ca- say? Head up. Just in case oh, you know you're talking to a larger public... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I, know that. Sorry for the slip. I also want to say it's not with the intention of correcting you, but qualifying things for, for listeners. You know, you said of his own free will, he's oh, choosing yeah. health. And I, I know I know the context with which you're saying it, and I would agree. However, when you look at or study shame, many people, especially in the psychology field, would say, it is, but it isn't really. I understand Be- that. I know you do. I'm saying it for listeners. Because when you're so buried in years of shame, whether you're a shame-based person or you've internalized it and you've got trauma bond with shame, then we don't actually consciously know that we have a different choice. And so this protective part of him that has decided I will be a brick wool and be proud of it is not letting him actually see that he has another choice. Okay, that's fine. 
just I, just I, so listeners can understand that. And I'm I'm not offering it to you so that you can excuse the person in your life who looks like and behaves like Hennif. I'm saying it because while you might be sitting there thinking, well, you have free will and and you're just being stupid, there's definitely other layers. And the right people and the right resources <laughs> as the stars align, can open those doors for them. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. And unfortunately, some people don't have those stars aligned for them in this life. Mm, that's good. Thanks for sharing that. Of course. Then her next message was, and this was a little bit rough, but she said... Because the first part's weren't. <laughs> well, well, okay. All right. <laughs> You're going to hear Here it. Here goes. She says to me, this was the worst lifetime I've ever had, and this was the worst life partner. Mm. And I thought, oh, God. How do I tell him that? And she goes, well, I just want to say that it's not an insult, although it's going to sound that way, but I'm saying something. Just hear me out, Karen. She says, in the scope of all of the lifetimes I've had, and she says, I'm not a very old soul. She says, so I haven't been here a ton of times, but in terms of the amount of lifetimes that I have had, this was the most difficult relationship I've ever lived through. And she says, but I have to also say that since I've crossed over, it's also the one where I've been able to learn the most, where I've been able to sit back and go through, well, then what were my beliefs and how did they actually affect my life? And where did I get that that stupid belief? Or if you want to call it, maybe I shouldn't call it stupid, unhealthy belief. She goes, so there's there's... You know, like how they say there's good and bad and everything type of thing? She mm-hmm. goes, he was the worst partner I've ever had because it was the most unhealthy partner I've ever had. And Fayola then says to me to say to him that since she's crossed over, she's understanding how many times she had choices. Mm. And she chose, she never chose the healthiest choice. She goes, I can't tell you, Karen, how often I sat here looking back at my life and seeing all of these beautiful opportunities, and I kept turning them off just to be able to stay with him. Mm-hmm. And she says, never once when I was in a mall did I look around and see other men my age and think, hmm, I wonder if them are any healthier than the man that I'm with. Hmm. She, never, she says, I never looked around at single women and thought, Hmm. I wonder if they're happier than me. I wonder if I could be happier being single. Why do I think that I have to have a relationship no matter how unhappy, no matter how depressed I am, no matter how much anxiety I've got, no matter how much my children are affected by this? She goes, I never ever ask myself those questions. That's really cool because I think a lot of people do ask some of those questions, like, would that person make me happier? Would that person make me happier? And those aren't necessarily, I, I would say they're not healthy questions or helpful questions at all. And then you layered in a whole bunch of actual healthy questions that truly challenge your belief system and ask you to ask what matters to you, right? So if I'm wondering if someone would make me happier or if I would be happier single, I actually have to dig into a couple more questions and ask what I value. And if I value those things, are those needs being met? 
Am I, do I have the ability to meet them myself and I'm not? Have I asked or told my partner or my person that I need those things? Like there's so many other things that we can dig into to potentially stay and have things really improve. Doesn't sound like this is the case with Hanif, but I'm just saying for other people. We still want to ask a lot of those questions and keep digging and digging into the actu- until the actual value or what we value is exposed. Thank you for all of that. Mm-hmm. Beautifully said, beautifully articulated. Thank you. And you can do this single too, just for, as a last side note. Mm-hmm. So then the very last thing that she says to him is, when I died, I didn't even like you, let alone love you. Okay. And she goes, I want you to tell him that. And I said, okay. So I did. And she goes, okay, I'm done. And so I told him. I said, Hanif, your wife is finished speaking. And he just sat there for, I don't know, Kelly, not very long. But if sure feels long in the session, maybe 20, 30 seconds. And then he says to me, you know, Karen, I've seen three other psychic mediums. And I said, okay. And he goes, "Um, all they ever told me was how much my wife loved me, how much she missed me that she was around me, what a wonderful marriage, what a great guy I am. And he says, all I heard were positive things from the other three. And I said, okay. And he goes, and you are the only one that's told me the truth. Mm. So he says, I have one question. I said, and I thought it was going to be about his wife, Fayola. Why would all of those other mediums and psychics lie to me? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, fair question. And I said, well, I said, first of all, I'm sorry that you've been through that. Mm -hmm. I said, "I, I don't really know. I can't speak on their behalf. But I said, it might be fear. And he goes, well, what would they be afraid of? And I said, well, I said, sometimes, you know, we, like you have, some people have these beliefs that You can only talk about positive things, be a positive person. I said, that might be one issue. I don't know. I said, some of them might be fearful of being... Slandered. Slandered. Yeah. Talked about on Facebook, Instagram, social media, friend groups. If, If you're calling somebody in your local community, they might be afraid of running into you at a party and now they know the truth about you. In which case you should not be in the business. I agree. Or practicing. Okay, thank you for saying that. And I said it could be fear-based that they think that they're going to lose money, that you might not call back and be a repeat client. You know, like going into a restaurant, you don't like your dinner, you don't want to go back to that restaurant. Mm -hmm. You don't think maybe the chef just had a bad night. (laughs) You think they're going to be bad for good, right? Mm -hmm. And he goes, oh, okay. He goes, okay, that maybe that's fair. And he says, I I just have something to say to you. He goes, "Um, I need help. And I said, yes, you do. And he goes, okay. He goes, maybe this is the first time in my wife, life, excuse me, that my wife. That's a good slip. Yeah. Has been honest with me. Yeah. Because the amount of gaslighting and abuse that he has dished, he has received equal amounts. Yeah. 
And that's going to be hard for a lot of people to hear unless you've been with us since the start. Uh, But the amount of people pleasing that occurred, even though some of it was hard work on her part, the amount of people pleasing she did love bombed just as much. Gaslit just as hard. Yeah. And that brings us to the very like to the very next thing he says. He goes, okay, my next question then, if I could have one more, please, is why why did my wife behave the way that she did if she didn't even like me, let alone love me? And those were her words. And I said, well, let me ask her. And then she comes back and she says, well, the best way that I can answer that, Karen, is by telling him what core beliefs were instilled in me in childhood that made me the people pleaser that I was. And I said, ah, I know those. <laughs> I said, off by heart. Yeah. And he goes, what do you mean? I, and I said to him, you really need to read a book by Beverly Angel called The Nice Girl Syndrome, where she talks about the 10 core beliefs of the people pleaser, because your wife was solidly raised to be one in those 10 core beliefs. And there's a damn good chance that she believed probably eight to 10 mm-hmm. out of the 10. But if she believed even one or two hardcore, that could be enough to create all of this shit show for the two of you. Yeah. So he asked me about the core beliefs and I took out her sheet because I have a cheat sheet and I read some of them to him and he went, oh, And I thought he was going to say, yep, that's Fayola. Yep, that's Fayola. And he goes, oh, (laughs) that's me. Good for him. He goes, okay, well, wait, wait, wait. And he goes, no, he goes, is it weird that I can see my wife in that? But is it weird that I can see me? I can see me as a kid. He says, and I can see how I raised my son to be like that. Is it weird that God love me? That's one of the reasons why I get annoyed by my daughter. Well, I think the whole egg just cracked. You did. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. We got a full egg cracking. at the And so we were done. That was the half hour. And he says, um, am I allowed to call back? And I said, well, I said, there will be a condition. I said, I'm going to give you a condition. And he goes, oh, really? He says, what condition? And I said, therapy. And I said, if you see a therapist... I will see you again after you've worked with your therapist. When your therapist says it's a good time to go back to ask Karen some questions, Mm. I will work with your therapist. And I said, however, if you don't go to seek therapy, then no, I'm going to say no. I'm going to hold you accountable because there seems to be a situation in your life where you won't let anybody hold you accountable. So if I'm the first person that can, I'm not going to refuse that position. Cool. I will take it, seize it, and offer it to you. And then hopefully when you find a healthy therapist, that person will do the very same thing to you, and we will be two healthy people. And those will be the two healthy people you need outside of your two children who should never be put in that position yet. Go mama bear. Yeah, So he says to me, okay, done. And I said, and listen, Hennef, if the spirit guides tell me that you have come back to see me without going to therapy, I will not see you. (laughs) I love that so much. Mm -hmm. Me 
too. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Kelly, you know, people might sit there and listen to that and go, oh my God, that's mean. I don't. I look at that as being responsible, holding him accountable, being a mature adult. Yep. And there is nothing mean about it. So if that is your belief, if that was your reaction, maybe go check out the 10 false beliefs yourself, right? Because what you are saying is, I will not be a business owner who lacks an integrity and creates a dependency on me when they should be getting psychological help. Correct. Yep. It's one of the problems that he was pointing out and we were pointing out in the other psychic mediums, if they are, um, that didn't act with integrity. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we finished the session and... We will see if he does his work. So, okay, hang on, back up. He confirmed that she would have said or believed that this was the worst partnership or worst lifetime? He did. And he confirmed that he understood she didn't like him, let alone love him? Yes. I, I'm, I'm bringing this up because like those are heavy, and I know you kept moving to each point, but he actually, former brick wall, said, yes, that's correct. Absolutely. Incredible. He did. And you know what, Kelly? He didn't do it pouting. He didn't do it... Um, like, a, like a factual observer? Yeah. yeah. He just sat in front, and or in front of me, pardon me, and just listened and not would nod his head yes or say, yep, that's true. And then easily let me get to my next point with his wife. Okay, hang on. I want to thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. I want to point out that none of the channeling we ever do, whether it's whether you're considering Karen and I as humans slash channelers or the guides who are actually giving the messages, none of us in this mix are offering messages with shame. That's correct. With an intent to shame. Yeah. And I hope that what people heard in all of this, while there were many lessons to take from it, that this person who is shame-based has internalized it his whole life, could sit in a chair where security and safety were being facilitated, and he could actually become an observer. He could actually see himself clearly without having to re-experience or experience new shame. Hmm. What a fucking gift you gave him Mm -hmm. for 75 fucking dollars. Yeah, that's true. That's incredible. You, you are an incredible human, Karen. Aw, thank you. Yeah, D- same back because I know you do the same thing. Thank you. I appreciate that. I just I point that out because like I don't even know how you put into a testimonial or you put into a write up or description about what someone gets out of a session, right? Like it's so personal to each individual. But to to walk away from today's podcast and think, wow. I can't remember a time in my entire life where I haven't felt shame and they're saying I could sit for a whole half hour and not feel it. Yeah. Who who would not be lining up for that? Mm-hmm. And, and to know not only am I going to get that half hour, but I'm going to actually feel enough freedom within my own brain and body mm-hmm. to then walk away from that session and access the tools that are actually going to help me. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love you. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Mm-hmm. I love you too. And I hope I that know. he... Uh, good. And I hope that he walks into a healthy therapist's office where they are well-trained as well 
to continue that process for him mm-hmm. where they hold that space because that's healthy therapy mm-hmm. where they hold space where you don't feel shame and then you get the work done and you go home happily excitedly wanting to use your tools yes. your brand new tools. Yeah. Also, you're not going to walk away the first session excitedly or happy. (laughs) It comes. Yeah. And you've got to stick with therapy to know that it comes. Too Mm -hmm. many people will go a couple of times and quit Mm -hmm. because they couldn't get to that comfortable place. Yeah. Right. Well done. Thank you. And happy Saturday. Thanks for listening to Coffee with the Sarlos. If you enjoyed the show today, help spread the love with a like, share, or review of the podcast. See you next Saturday with a brand new episode.